Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for Gardenmore Presbyterian Church. Keep up to date on our website, gardenmorechurch.org, or search for us on Facebook. If you do have a Bible there, please turn to Philippians 4. Uh, we're going to be focusing on verses 8 to 9 this morning. So please turn to, to Philippians 4 if you have a, a Bible with you. And this morning we come to the end of this uh, very important list of commands that Paul is rhyming off to uh, the Philippians that summarize some of the key points that he has made throughout uh, the letter. Essentially, Paul is giving us an outline of how we are to live a life which is worthy of the gospel of Christ. In other words, Paul is saying, if you are a Christian who has heard the gospel and you have been saved by the sacrifice of Jesus and you call him your Lord, then here is how you are to live. And I suppose I want to keep reminding us of that every time that we come to this passage, because these words are not just for the Philippians at a certain point in history, but for every believer throughout time, for every believer in response to the grace and mercy that we've experienced from God. So in the previous weeks, uh, previous verses, we've been told to stand firm, to be united, to always be joyful, to not be anxious about anything, but to turn to God in prayer. And then here in verse 8, the command or the call for the believers in Philippi and for believers today is to think well. To think well. Not only is a Christian called to act differently, not only are they called to face anxieties differently, to interact with each other differently, but we're also to think differently. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. When Paul commands to think about, he doesn't just mean for us to have a a quick passing acknowledgement of something, but rather it really means to to ponder something, to, to dwell on it, to to mull it over in our minds time and time again. So understand when we're speaking this morning about thinking, it's not that passing acknowledgement. It is a continuous, ongoing, focused way thinking about these things. But in this call to think well, I want to break it into three things, and you see them Uh, there on the screen that will be helpful for us and beneficial for us to recognize as we try to think well. The first is we have to recognize that how we think is actually important. Now that perhaps sounds basic, maybe something that you've realized a long time ago and that's great, but the reason I suppose for highlighting this is because very often our main concern and our main fight with sin always seems to be primarily about what we do. It seems to be about the, the physical aspect of sinning. We're, we're really worried about that physical aspect of sinning, which we should be. Yet here's what Jesus teaches to his disciples in Mark 7, 20 to 23. Listen to this. What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. 
All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Now, isn't our, our Savior highlighting a, a much bigger problem because he emphasizes that all these evil things come from within. They start from within us. And that will sound so strange to us when we actually consider some of the things that Jesus listed in that passage. Sexual immorality and theft, surely those are physical sins, things that we do. What about murder, adultery, deceit, envy, slander, pride, all things that we do or that we make known through what we do and what we say. But when we think about it, isn't Christ only telling us something that if we're being honest, we already know very well, that the sin we commit, that our disobedience to God starts somewhere else before we carry it out. These things, Jesus says, are formed in our hearts, or as Scripture often means when it talks about our hearts, in our thoughts and mind. This is where they form. This is where they come from. So then we begin to see the importance of the Apostle Paul's words in Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9, and start to understand why he has the concern that he does for the Philippians. Because we think, we dwell on temptations. We dwell on sin. We dwell on what we're going to do, and then we carry it out. So it's so important. In order to think well, we have to recognize that this is actually an important issue. Because what we think of, what we mull over in our minds, what we dwell on, what we ponder, has an effect, has an impact on what we do and how we live. If you don't believe me, think of what advertisements do, and particularly those that are on TV or radio. Uh, there's, I've sure, been years of research to master what, what TV and radio ads do, but they pick the, the catchiest tune, the most memorable slogan, the most vivid images to advertise their company or their product. Why? Because it gets stuck in your mind. Because you're thinking about it over and over again, it's constantly stuck there. You, you remember it no matter how much you like it, and sadly, you remember it no matter how much you hate it as well. My youngest sister is a wonderful example of this. She uh, makes us laugh all the time because she can finish almost any slogan, almost any little jingle she can hum along to uh, from advertisements that are on TV because it's stuck, it's memorable. And they do it because that constant mulling over, that constant remembering, that constant thinking usually has a significant effect on how we act, what we buy, what we do. So that when you need car insurance, you remember the funny-looking opera man singing the website's name rather annoyingly over and over again. Or you remember the little meerkat that speaks with a Russian accent. We mull it over again, and it affects what we do. What we think of, what we dwell on, what goes round and round in our minds continuously is going to have a significant effect on what we do and how we act. So right at the outset, if nothing else this morning, in trying to think well, recognize that this is important. Recognize that what we think is important. Going by Paul's command in Philippians, this is important to living a life which is worthy of the gospel of Christ. 
Because we can be tempted, can't we, to consider sin in our minds and thoughts to be less significant. Because no one else sees it. No one else knows it. It isn't public as in other ways. It almost becomes like our own little uh, domain where we can do what we want and it doesn't hurt anyone else, so does it really matter? For example, thinking, thinking something nasty about an individual is surely much better than saying it to them. Well, is it really? Because those sorts of evil things go round and round and are repeated in our minds until what Jesus says in Matthew 12, 34 to 35 happens. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. I wonder this morning, do you realize that it is important how you think? Do you understand the impact that it can have on our ability to live a gospel-worthy life? If you didn't, if we didn't, then perhaps this morning is a wake-up call for us, an encouragement to, to adapt the way that we think, to, to move away from that being your own little domain, where whatever you want happens, uh, and moving to really exercising discipline and really monitoring our minds and how we think. So in being called to think well, we recognize that how we think is important, and then also we must recognize that there are things we should think about. If our minds and thoughts affect the way that we live, then what we fill our, mind, what we fill our minds with is surely something that we should take care to monitor. And Paul gives us eight virtues or adjectives by which to measure what we dwell on. True, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Time doesn't permit me to go into detail uh, about these virtues, but, but a lot of them are fairly self-explanatory. But these are the things that we are to fill our minds with, feed our minds with. And interestingly, notice that Paul doesn't necessarily stipulate that these virtues, virtues, these adjectives, only come from things that we consider to be Christian. Something to bear in mind. Because each adjective is preceded by whatever is. And then we have that catch-all term at the end of if anything is excellent or praiseworthy. So we can find these things throughout all of creation. We can see these virtues in architecture, art, literature, TV shows, people that would not claim to be in any way Christian or have any understanding of what Scripture says. So in order to think well, there are things we should think about, things that should be mulling over on our mind. But by extension, if there are things we should think about, then that means that there are others that we shouldn't. Things that we shouldn't allow to enter our minds, things that we shouldn't mull over and over again because they are harmful to us. You know, we encounter on a daily basis numerous things that are thrown at us that we shouldn't be uh, letting into our minds because they are not any of the virtues that listed, are listed in verse 8 by Paul. In fact, more often than not, don't we see things that are very much the opposite of what Paul writes here. All we have to do is pick up a newspaper, magazine, read a, a book, turn on the TV, listen to music, or watch a music video, and all of a sudden our eyes and our minds are filled with things that are false, things that are dishonorable, 
wrong, impure, unlovely, not to be admired, not excellent, and certainly not worthy of praise. Folks, those are the things that are not to be included in the thoughts of a believer. Perhaps that may come across as stuffy or strict, and it may sound like that. But this list of virtues, these adjectives, have been included in God's Word, and so we have to give serious consideration to them and what that means for our lives. In the early use of computers, and it's probably uh, still a phrase that's used now, but people talked about the four letters G-I-G-O. And you might remember or you might know uh, that they stood for garbage in, garbage out. The idea being that if you entered a command or some sort of code into a computer that was utter rubbish, then the result would be at the other end, the result you would get would also be utter rubbish. I sometimes think that would be a useful acronym for us to hold on to in our day-to-day lives. If we continue to fill our minds with things that contradict the virtues of verse 8, in other words, if we fill in our minds with rubbish, what eventually comes out of us will be rubbish. Garbage in, garbage out. Let me ask you this morning, what fills your thoughts? What is it that you are dwelling on and pondering all the time? Are you thinking well? And I wonder, how does what dominates your thoughts stack up to this list from the Apostle Paul in verse 8? The thoughts that you've had this morning, the thoughts that you're having right now, the things that you dwell on when you're in work, Do these virtues describe what is in your mind when you are angry or happy or frustrated or lonely? I guess we could always fall back to asking that question that we've probably heard uh, so often, possibly even in connection with this passage. But if our thoughts were broadcast on these screens, would they be excellent or praiseworthy even to us watching them? Never mind to God. As well as that, consider if you were to monitor the last week what you were feeding your mind with, would they fit with the description of what the apostle gives in verse 8? Now, in thinking about how we put this into practice, I suppose I could uh, pick and choose specific uh, things, specific TV shows, games, movies, uh, music, but I don't want to go down that road and perhaps be seen as jumping onto a hobby horse or picking on anything in particular. But can I suggest to you that in applying this into your own life, it would be very useful for you to reflect on verse 8 and use it like a checklist. Because maybe you're sitting here this morning or you're at home and you're saying to yourself, well, how am I meant to know what is right and wrong to be feeding my mind? There's so many uh, blurred lines. There's so many gray areas. Well, read verse 8. Use it as a checklist. If you're considering a book and there's any doubt, music you listen to, a TV show to watch, a magazine to pick up, a place to go, then consider what is said or done or shown and ask yourself, is my mind getting fed something that is true, noble, pure, right, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy? 
And if it falls at those hurdles, then maybe we should ask ourselves, is that really something that we should be feeding our minds with? Is that really something that we should be thinking about? Are we thinking well? Friends, consider today how you need to change the way that we think. You need to to do that. I need to do that. What do we need to do to think well? Perhaps we're people who need to dwell uh, more on God's Word where all these virtues are very clear. We may be people who need to stop feeding our minds with certain things because it's having such an impact on how we live and how we act. Maybe people, uh, maybe we are people who would benefit from uh, thinking a lot more about the virtues that are listed in verse 8. In closing, very briefly, in verse 8, the Christian is called to think well, and then in verse 9, we are called to action. Kind of what we were uh, talking about to the boys and girls earlier. This almost uh, seems to incorporate all of the previous verses in chapter 4. It's not enough for the Philippians to read this and to know these things and to learn them uh, and keep them in their memories for another day. But in verse 9, Paul pleads with them, put it into practice. Yes, you are to know them. Yes, you are to learn them. Yes, you have seen them exhibited in my actions, but make them evident in the way that you live. And so these last few studies in this passage, standing firm, being united always joyful, being gentle, not being anxious, and turning to God in prayer, thinking well. You can follow the list yourself when you read through verses 1 to 9 of chapter 4. These are not just simply words on a page for you to learn. This is the way that a Christian is to live. We are called to put it into action. So please do not leave this morning and think that listening was enough. Go home and put it to action. Go into work and put it to action. With your family and friends, put it to action. With whatever hobbies you do, put it into action. What is the point in learning these things and in knowing these things if we don't live them? I'm reminded so much of Jesus' words in John 13, verse 17, where Christ says, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. We as followers of Christ are called to action. We are called to do these things. We're not called just to retain information and keep it to ourselves. And then we have the encouragement at the end of verse 9, and the God of peace will be with you. And the God of peace will be with you. Wow. What a hope. What encouragement. What a promise. Because the truth is that we will fail in this time and time again in the way that we think, in the way that we act, in the things that we do. We will always fall short. But the God of peace will be with us. And these verses in Philippians 4, they give us a wonderful description of our Lord Jesus. This is what he did. What we read in Philippians 4, 1 to 9 is what he did when he lived in this earth. He stood firm when he went to the cross to pay the price for our sin. He showed unity with his followers in a great way. He was joyful. We see that he cast his anxieties to God in prayer. 
while in the garden before his death, he consistently and constantly thought in the way described in verse 8. The ultimate example of a life lived that was worthy of the gospel. And so in the disappointment of when we fail and when we fall short, how uplifting it is to know that Jesus didn't. Because those who, who can declare that Jesus is their Lord look to the fact that we are seen by God with the righteousness of Christ. Not with our feelings, but with him and his victory and his success. And so we are not to follow the commands given in Philippians 4 in order to save ourselves because we have already been saved by works, the works of Christ. But we try to observe these exhortations, these commands as obedient followers of Christ, seeking to live more and more each day the way that our Savior did. So let's this week, regardless of what we do, regardless of what we face, as believers we are called to think well. And we are called to put these things into practice. So let's do that for the glory of God. Amen.